Music with a message on KFUO, the messenger of good news. This is Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back our special guest, the rich young man from the Bible, who also turns out that he witnessed Jesus' crucifixion. He's been sharing with us what he saw. And and heard. And heard that day Jesus died. I I did not realize it at the time, but but I was blessed. I, I was close enough that I could not only see them crucify Jesus, but I was actually able to hear every word he spoke. And that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks, the words of Jesus on the cross. Which of the seven words do we want to talk about today? Well, most of Jesus' words require no interpretation. Uh, Their meaning is fairly obvious. You know, last week I I thirst. Uh, There is one phrase, though, that is very difficult to understand. Yet the Holy Spirit was so concerned that we would hear hear, and understand these words, that he gave us the actual Aramaic words that Jesus said from the cross. Oh, you're referring to the statement, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yes. And even though we know the very vocables Jesus spoke, there is still much argument as to what he meant. Actually, even the first time he spoke these words, people did not understand him. What do you mean by that? Uh, Well, read what it says in the Holy Scriptures. How did men respond when they heard these words? Well, I actually marked all the passages that record Jesus' words on the cross. The one you're referring to must have been pretty important. It is the only word of Jesus from the cross found in two Gospels, Mark and Matthew. Do you have a preference? Uh, Not really. As I recall, they're basically the same. Okay, I'll read it from Mark then. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing what he said, behold, he's calling on Elijah. And someone ran out and filled a sponge with sour wine and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down off the cross. By the way, pretty pretty good job there with the Aramaic. I, I'm impressed. <laughs> and you see, though, his words were perfectly clear. Even those who were there misunderstood him, or perhaps chose to misunderstand him. They claimed that he was calling for Elijah when he was clearly calling for God. That is a question I've always had. Why would they think he was calling for Elijah? Well, uh, there is an ancient Jewish myth that the prophet Elijah comes and saves righteous Jewish teachers in times of peril. Now, I cannot see into their hearts, but it seems to me they said what they said just to mock Jesus. If you are such a righteous teacher, let's just wait and see if Elijah will save you. Which, of course, Elijah didn't. Nor the God that he had truly called to. I suppose they thought his cries were merely the ravings of a man gone mad. And what do you think? I think crucifixion is such a painful way to die that it could easily make a man crazy. The pain from the wounds, the the struggle to breathe, the seconds that seem like hours. I could see where they would make a man delirious, make him see or hear things that were not there. 
Are you saying these words were merely the rambling of a man in pain? There is no doubt he was cogent at the beginning. His prayer, Father, forgive them, may sound delirious to some, but, but we know he meant it full well. Likewise, when he gave his mother over to John, he had complete senses about him. You said last week he had even refused to take the wine mixed with myrrh, a kind of a crude Roman anesthetic, so he could have a clear mind. Yes, yes. But but remember, it's now the ninth hour. He had suffered for a long time. Uh, perhaps he was losing touch with reality. On the other hand, the words that followed rapidly after this, it is finished, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, Boy, they seem lucid enough. So again, what do you think? For myself, that day I prayed to God that he did know what he was saying, that every word he spoke from the cross he spoke with his full faculties, meaning exactly what he said. Why is that? You, you always want to make it personal. Uh, perhaps we'll talk about that some other time. But, but for right now, I, I want to talk more about how his words continue to be misunderstood even today. It's true people misunderstood him the day he died, and they continue to misunderstand him in this day as well. What do you mean? How are his words misunderstood today? Well, many theologians have argued over the real meaning of these words. You see, the problem is, it seems impossible that he could really mean what he said. What's impossible about what he said? Well, he's God. How could he possibly forsake himself? I've always taken that to mean he was the Son of God and he is forsaken by his Father. And you're probably right. But how is that possible? He is part of the Trinity, the undivided unity. How can Father and Son be separated even for a moment from each other? What other explanation is there? Well, throughout history, various theologians have suggested that he was just play-acting. He was pretending in order to teach us a lesson. Why, there are even some who suggest the whole crucifixion was an illusion. It just appeared that he was dying. I, I mean, after all, how can God die? Now, I don't mean to be pushy, but again, I'd like to know what you think. Oh, well, all, all right. Uh, from my vantage point, it was all too real. These are not the words of an actor or a crazy man either. I, I could see his face. I could hear the expression in his voice. He meant what he said. He, he was truly forsaken. I could tell that he was sincere. I knew, I knew he was forsaken because I've experienced forsakenness myself. You were a rich man. You had all the earthly blessings a man could ever want. Why would you feel forsaken? Uh, uh, Gary, uh, don't be fooled by the trappings of wealth. Money is not a shelter from abandonment. Many rich men choose to ignore the truth but to even the wealthy, God will say, today your soul is required of you. And when that happens, you suddenly realize, despite all your belongings, you are truly alone. And when did this happen in your life? Perhaps that day when you felt you could not give up your wealth and follow Jesus? Oh, I was indeed sorrowful that day, but it was not the greatest sorrow I felt. But I've already said, I don't want to talk about myself, for this experience is not unique to me. We, we all face it at one time or another. There was the widow of Nain, who had lost both her beloved husband and her beloved son. Truly, she knew what it was like to be forsaken of God. There was the father of the prodigal son. 
In a way, his forsakenness was even greater, for he knew his son was alive, but to him, his son was dead. And then, of course, there is our mutual friend, St. Peter. Ask him how he felt when he had denied the Lord three times. He knew what it felt like to forsake and to be forsaken. Of course, there is a crucial difference between what these people experienced and what Jesus experienced. And what is that crucial difference? These people only felt like they were forsaken. Jesus really was. What do you mean by that? Because he had come to take our place, to give his life as a ransom for many. As Paul says, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As the one who takes the place of sinners, he must face everything the sinner deserves. That includes not only physical suffering and death, but the abandonment of God himself. The reality was at this point, Jesus knew what it was like to be in hell itself. I thought Jesus descended into hell later after he died. Yes, he did. But that was not to suffer or to be forsaken. The scripture clearly says he went to hell with a message to deliver. Which brings us, I guess, to one final misunderstanding of the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What misunderstanding is that? The misunderstanding the devil must have had that day. You see, when Jesus cried out, why, the devil must have thought he had won. He had actually created a schism in the very Trinity itself. Father, divided against Son. You remember, Gary, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the devil had tempted Jesus with the words, If you are the Son of God. And for this moment in time, it appeared Jesus wasn't the Son of God. God was treating Jesus as if Jesus were nothing to him but a common sinner. <laughs> but of course, like the others, the devil also misunderstood these words. It's true. God was abandoning his only begotten son, but only so he could redeem us to be his sons eternally. Now, I've never thought about it before, but I suppose that's why shortly after these words of abandonment, Jesus then said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was affirming that God might have forsaken him for our sake, but in the end, they were reunited as father and son. Even as we will be reunited to the father in the end as well. I believe, Gary, you are beginning to understand the meaning of these words. And that, by the way, is why Jesus would go to hell after his death. He went to proclaim his victory in the very sanctuary of the enemy, to proclaim that Jesus was forsaken so that believers might never be forsaken in hell. And Jesus himself promised, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. That's what makes these words of Jesus so important to us. We all have times when we feel like we are forsaken. Indeed, there are times when important people in our lives do forsake us. But even if our mother and father should forsake us, Jesus will never do so. In these words of Jesus, we are reminded there is at least one person who weeps along with us in our loneliness, who understands how we feel. One person, as you said, who will never leave or forsake us. And that person is Jesus Christ, who cried out for our benefit. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, it's going to take some time for me to process everything you've told us about today, but I do appreciate your thoughts. So where do we go from here? What word from the cross do you want to talk about next week? 
Well, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of Jesus' time on the cross. Uh, perhaps we can wrap it up next week. Uh, there is another word that is open to interpretation. What, what exactly did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? And I suppose to answer that question, we should discuss the word that comes immediately after the phrase we already mentioned a couple of times today, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. That sounds like a really good plan. We'll talk about that next week with you. Thanks so much, sir, for being with me today. We are the messenger of good news, KFUO.org, AM 850 in the St. Louis region.